Welcome to Parent Driven Development. I'm Chris Sexton, and I'm here today with my good friend, Mandy. Hi, I'm Mandy Moore, and I'm here with my friend, Josh Pitts. Hi, I'm Josh Pitts, and I'm here with my friend, Jess. Hey, I'm Jess, and I'm here with my friend, Allison. Hi, I'm Allison, and today we are joined by our friends, Sarah Moskoff and Anne Housel. We will be talking about designing apps for parents. So Sarah has a background in consumer technology and product management. Prior to founding Winnie, she was the director of product at Postmates, and prior to that held product leadership roles at Twitter, YouTube, and Google. She graduated with a computer science and engineering degree from MIT and lives with her two daughters and husband, Eric, in San Francisco. And Anne is a product designer and developer with a background in knowledge systems and consumer technology. Prior to founding Winnie, she held design and engineering positions at Postmates, Quora, Inkling, and Google. She has two boys and also lives in San Francisco. Welcome to Parent Driven Development. Hello, thanks for having us. Thank you. We're really excited to talk to you about Winnie and just everything that is involved with designing an app for parents today. I guess to kick us off, I'd love to ask how you both came up with the idea and what some of the considerations that you needed to think about when thinking about parents in particular. Yeah, so Winnie is a local discovery platform for parents. We help parents find family-friendly places to go with their kids, restaurants that are kid-friendly, daycares and preschools. We also have a way for parents to ask questions and get advice on a variety of different topics from our audience of parents. And Winnie started almost three years ago now. Anne and I were both working together at Postmates, and I was a brand new mom, and Anne had had two young kids. And we realized there was this opportunity to give information to parents, especially local information, which wasn't online at all. We kind of found that the way you get information as a parent is very old school. You network with other moms or join a mother's group or you call up the phone to figure out of the preschool you want to send your kid to is open spaces. And we felt like with all these millennials becoming parents, 90% of new parents are millennials, it was time to bring parenting into the modern era and bring this information that parents so desperately need online and accessible to them. I use Winnie a lot when I travel. I'm not part of the Facebook group or the whatever where I can ask questions. So it's really, really convenient to figure out, okay, I need to know if I'm staying near a playground or what the story time at the local library is or things like that, that gives me some like activities that I can, that I can do with my children. So I find it super helpful in that context. What are some of the challenges that you had when thinking about I guess, what the product would look like for parents. We had some hypotheses at the beginning about what would be important. And I will say that like one thing we took very seriously from the beginning was content moderation and content quality. So on Winnie, it's a crowdsourced platform. So similar to like Yelp or Quora, you can go on there and ask questions. You can share advice. You can write reviews of places you take your kids. 
We can contribute information about places. Is there a changing table in the men's bathroom at this restaurant? And knowing that from the beginning, we would be building this really awesome tool on this community. We wanted the community to be very healthy, be very high quality. And so from the very beginning, we had rules around code of conduct, community behavior. We want to make sure people are respectful to each other. We want to make sure that the information people are sharing is accurate. And the way we approach that is by investing in tools and infrastructure from the very beginning when our community was very small to allow us to make sure that the content that you find on Winnie is good and that you can see Winnie as a safe place and a safe community to engage authentically. The other thing that we did from the very beginning is we allowed users to basically post under a pseudonym or post anonymously when they have sensitive questions or sensitive information they want to share. And we felt like this was really important because it's not possible on Facebook and it isn't possible actually in a lot of places on the internet. Uh, Pretty much everything that you post is associated with your identity in some way, but parents have really sensitive questions sometimes that they don't necessarily want to be associated with a profile that's out there on the web. So we wanted to basically do this like one-two punch in the community of protecting our users' privacy and identity very aggressively and being very out there with the functionality to post anonymously, which is kind of notorious on the internet for attracting trolls. And then on the other side, having this very active moderation that enables us to kind of make sure that when people are posting anonymously, they're not abusing the feature. So I think that's interesting, especially about the community early on. How did you get it primed? I feel like something like this, where the whole platform is dependent on the existing content and following that that tone, how did you go from nothing to something early on? In the very early days, we actually ran a private beta. We basically started with like 10 people that we knew, kind of friends and family. But then we kind of sat back and we wanted to see how it would grow organically, even in that very early beta. And by the time we actually launched the product several months later, we had gone from 10 to 400 users, where we had seen that like people were inviting people from their mother's groups, they were sharing it on their neighborhood email list. So we actually kind of saw in the very early days that we could kind of sit back and let the community grow organically. And we kind of got that proof point very early on that that the best growth mechanism for the community was the community itself. And, and, and that so, held up as you add more areas? Yeah, absolutely. And the product only awesome. gets better the more people use it, right? So every new user that comes online, they're telling us a little something they know about their neighborhood playground, or they're telling us a little something they know about this particular parenting challenge that they overcame and the product is better for the next user that comes along. That's really cool. How does the money stuff work out? I mean, obviously this must cost you stuff to host it and everything. How do you handle that? Yeah, so we are venture backed. The main thing we spend money on right now is engineering talent. We're a team of engineers and we're building a platform. And eventually we think this will be a very valuable asset that we're building. Uh, Parents spend over a trillion dollars annually in the U.S. alone on their children. And so there's a lot of money exchanged when it comes to parenting. And you think of those 18 plus years that you have children in the house. So we're not sort of at a loss for how we will monetize, but it was really important to us to build a utility that was really valuable and that this information was accessible and free for parents to access. We found that so many of these groups 
our clothes, clothes to dads, clothes to caregivers, hard to find, private. They cost money to join in some communities. And we wanted the information that parents need to really be at their fingertips. So it was really important for us to make this product free, make it accessible. And eventually we have some interesting ways we'll make money, but the product will always be free for parents to use. That's really cool. Are you incentivizing the moderators in any way? Or is that kind of just like out of the goodness of their hearts? Oh, no, these are people paid by Winnie to moderate. Uh, oh, okay, okay. Like community moderation, though, we do have a lot of tools built into the product so that parents can give us feedback on what they see. And in fact, like our community now can catch things sometimes even before our paid moderators. So they have functionality to report issues to flag when they see information about a place is out of date. And because Winnie is crowdsourced, like this works at scale. So I wanted to ask, what has been different about building a crowdsource platform specifically that deals with issues around parents and children? What have you found that's different than some of your other tech companies that you've been at, maybe specific challenges? Yeah, I mean, notably, uh, and I say this as someone who spent four years at Quora, which is also a knowledge sharing platform. Parents are actually just the most amazing consumers to build products like this for because they are so willing to share information. And the incentives are really just about helping other people raise their kids and have a good experience as parents. Our content contribution rate is very, very high. So Somewhere between 5 and 7% of our active users contribute content, which if you've worked at a consumer internet company like Twitter or Reddit or Quora, it's like sub 1% is typical. And we've maintained that ratio over almost two years of exponential growth. It's amazing to me. And I think there is actually really something about being a parent where you feel like all of the knowledge, you've had to work so hard for it, right? You've had to work so hard for every learning and every challenge you've overcome and every milestone you've passed that I think parents innately feel this desire to share what they've learned with other people and to help whenever they can. And so we found that it has actually been very easy to get people to participate and very easy to get people to share information. And they're very well behaved. This is the other thing that's been very different about this community. We do have active moderation, which is very important. But I would say that like the incidences of bad actors and trolls and people who are here to make trouble are just way, way lower than I have seen at some of the other products that I've worked at. I think that also goes back to what the audience is and why people are there. Have you had any cases where you've needed to intercede above and beyond what the moderators are able to handle, or are they pretty much able to keep uh, things in the community working well? We have a lot of tools and functionality to make sure that content is distributed appropriately. For example, bad medical advice, you won't find it on Winnie because that stuff doesn't get distribution. And so we have policies in place, moderators can escalate, they don't know how to handle something or if we need to create new policies, but we don't distribute content that could be harmful to our community. Cool. So you're both parents of two kids each. How do you make time for launching a venture back startup? I know it's like a lot of work. I mean, it's a full-time job that we are able to do because we utilize childcare. I'm the CTO of a venture back startup myself. And I know that getting off the ground was a lot of time. And I was very fortunate not to have my son at that time. And I'm just trying to think how I would do it again right now. It seems like a lot. I think one of the, the biggest 
challenges for a founder starting a company is prioritization and focus. And that's actually something I got exponentially better at after having kids. And with each child, I got even better at it because I have limited time in the day. I mean, I remember before kids, I used to spend just nights in the office doing all kinds of random stuff, but not really getting stuff done. I would stay at Google for the free dinner and do my laundry there and use the gym. And so the hours I spent in the office were greater, but I was actually accomplishing less. And so when Anne and I started Winnie, we really wanted to build a family-friendly workplace, one that you know we could work at for a long time as parents and, and it would be sustainable because we know startups take a long time. And so I actually think having kids has been a huge asset. It has given us tremendous focus and it has also enabled us to do this for the long run. You know, we don't burn out because we've set things up in a really sustainable way. And that's also had the effect of being great for recruiting. It helps us retain our talent because we can offer something that most every startup can't. And so I don't know how I could have started a company before kids, honestly, not just because this is a parenting company, but also because kids just have given me the motivation and focus and sort of ability to do this for the long haul that I did not have before becoming a parent. I definitely understand what you mean. I felt the same thing. I I wanted to just take a second, if you don't mind, and kind of acknowledge the way I asked that question and the way you responded was, I think, a really interesting conversation that happens in the venture community pretty often right now. It's like, oh, how can you start this company with kids? I mean, that's like a reaction to mothers and to people and to parents, I think, pretty often in a venture community who is looking for people who can dedicate 300% of their time to something that's going to create value, obviously, for the venture capitalists, hopefully for the other people, too. So I think the reaction that you had initially there was fantastic, actually, about creating that. Obviously, I can do this. I mean, kind of a thing. And I kind of feel a little chagrined for having asked that question in the first place in the way that I did. But is that something you've experienced a lot of? Yeah, I think it it's sort of disproportionately asked to women, especially my third trimester of pregnancy, the, the last fundraise we did. So I'm sure it was a, a thought on a lot of folks' minds, if not, you know, something they actually asked. And I think that is hopefully changing. We see that as we just interview and talk to millennial parents who are using Winnie. We actually ran a big survey of millennial parents. Attitudes towards parents is changing. Dads are taking a more active role in parenting. And people are understanding that raising kids isn't just women's work um, and that more households now than ever have, the majority of households have two working parents or their single parent households where the, the single parent works. And so it is becoming more of the norm for women to work and to go back to work after having kids. So I'm hopeful that the attitude will change and it will be something you don't even think about or, or question. It'll just be, of course, you can work and have kids and, and that would make you a better worker. But we're not there yet, of course. I and mean, I think that disproportionately affects women, those outdated attitudes. But hopefully, and that's why Anne and I are so intent on being vocal founders uh, and visible founders because we want to change those attitudes and show that it's absolutely possible to start a company and raise a family. Is Winnie a fully distributed team like where you work remotely? Do you have an office? Yes, we have an office. We're located in San Francisco. Uh, Most everyone works from the office. And it's funny, that's a question I get asked a lot too. Like people just assume I'm like working from home and raising my kids. I have 
two kids that are three and under. You can't get stuff done <laughs> no. when they're around. So yes, of course, we have an office. We have a team of engineers who work from the office. As a family-friendly company, we're very understanding when people need to work from home or need some flexibility to take their kids to a doctor's appointment. But we are a startup just like many others that has an office and employees who come to the office and do work every day. So I wanted to ask about your new childcare discovery platform. I think it's one thing to get recommendations from other parents about libraries and playgrounds and activities. It seems like it's a whole nother ball of wax when it comes to like daycare. So what was different about offering recommendations for daycare? Is there anything that's different from the rest of your platform when dealing with the childcare question? Childcare has been really interesting. What we found is that there's a lot of information parents need to make a decision on a daycare and preschool. You, know, you need to know the hours. Can you actually send your kid to that daycare and preschool and have it work with your working hours? You need to know the price. Is it within your budget? Um, Childcare is very expensive. You need to know the location. You know, Is it near where you live or work? Could you make it work on your commute? Is it full-time or part-time? Do they speak the language that you want your child to learn? There's so much information that you care about and it's different parent to parent, the kind of stuff they wanna filter on. And so we found that we had to go really deep with getting data about daycares and preschools. It wasn't enough to just have reviews from parents, so that was super helpful. And so we made a very concerted effort to get really deep data on daycares and preschools and actually have taken a a very city by city, state by state approach to our daycare and preschool data collection and have been rolling it out in, we started with the San Francisco Bay Area, then went to New York City, then did Texas, and now we're rolling it out throughout all of California And it's been a super valuable resource for parents and the really deep, comprehensive data. We, in the cities and states we've done this, we get data on every single licensed daycare and preschool. We don't just get the 50% that are online and 50% aren't before Winnie, which was crazy to us. And so it's a really big effort, but really valuable information for parents. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I mean, I have a a three and a half year old and an eight month old and we did a nanny share for our three and a half year olds. And then for eight month olds, we were looking at in-home daycares and there are so many of them. If you really dig deep, you can sometimes find a phone number you call and it like the whole process just takes such a long time and they often like don't have waiting lists. And so you're trying to figure out. And for me, it was sort of a mix of parents recommendations. I feel like at least in my area, in-home daycares in particular are very word of mouth. If you happen to know someone who has a child who's there and knows that a spot is opening up and lets you know at the right time, time where basically all the puzzle pieces come together, then maybe you're good. But yeah, it was incredibly challenging to find all of that information in one place. I found that most of the people in my town use Facebook, like Facebook groups. And that scares me because they post in these groups where, does anybody know where I can get childcare? And then the next question will be like, uh, I need my car repaired and serviced. And so it's hard to post in those groups because everybody's watching, even people with no kids. So people start to know oh, I have a daycare, I have a daycare. It's very easy on Facebook to figure out where these places are. So I can appreciate Winnie and the fact that when I was looking, I can see that all the places on Winnie have been so carefully vetted and that the people on here are legit people who don't have malicious intent. 
Yeah, one of the things we do, which seems really simple, but in fact, no one had had done it, um, is we link to the licensing database um, and allow you to actually see, is this place licensed? And you can actually subscribe to updates on things when complaints get issued. Well, know to check the licensing database. And so you could be sending your child to somewhere whose license was revoked and you wouldn't know if you didn't check. And so we just want to make this information available to parents. And the other thing is for the child care providers as well, the best child care providers aren't necessarily the best web marketing gurus. That isn't a necessary skill to be great at caring for children. And so over half of these in-home daycares aren't online at all. They have no website, no Yelp presence, no Google listing. And so we're just making it possible for them to get word about their business out there because there is more childcare than you know is available, which is beneficial to both parents and to these caregivers who want business. Most of these licensing databases are pretty archaic and hard to search. So we've made that easy. In every state in the union, childcare and early education is regulated. And so that, if nothing else, is a great place to start. And in terms of the product solutions, yes, it's absolutely shocking that there isn't something already existing that does this. You shouldn't have to post in a Facebook group to find childcare. You shouldn't have to post on Craigslist to find childcare. That is shockingly bad. It comes to us as something we actually call rage-driven development, where sometimes we build (laughs) things because we're just so mad that they didn't exist in the world already. And I think it's an artifact of the way that the tech industry and the tech economy in general has just kind of overlooked parents. And the, the struggles of parents have been invisible to our sector for too long. I was going to actually ask about that. Being in San Francisco, have you run into problems (laughs) reminding people that parents and children exist? I think San Francisco gets a rap as being a very, very skewed young tech workforce. It's not just a rap, actually. Children per capita is San Francisco is one of the lowest, if not the lowest cities. And that's why it was super important for us to not just build something for (laughs) parents in San Francisco, which I think is a lot of startups kind of let's start local and let's just start in our where we are, which may be San Francisco or New York City or wherever tech companies are located. But a lot of parents, you know, move out of major cities when they have kids. And so it was really important to us that our product worked everywhere from the beginning. And so we didn't restrict it to just certain cities. We have users in over 10,000 cities across the United States. So even our biggest density of users in particularly urban markets uh, are are in the single digit percents compared to that long tail of places because parents are truly everywhere. From the very beginning, we kind of told ourselves if this didn't work in the suburbs and small towns all across the country, it didn't work because that's where families are. Yeah, that's super cool. I really like the app. I'm looking at it right now that like there's these explore by topics. So you have babies, big kids, but then you also have pregnancy, childbirth advice. If you have a special needs child, uh, advice, if you're trying to conceive advice for working parents, all this information is so carefully curated. And so all of this information, it seems to not just come for like locally, it's also available countrywide. Yeah, so we do have, we call them topic channels, where if you post about a particular topic, our platform's personalized. So what we're able to do is basically say, okay, this post about working parents, that isn't local. Um, so we could actually distribute that to other parents that are interested in that topic. So then we can kind of cross, I guess, some of these local boundaries and bring people together on a more regional or national level around special interests. 
I think that's really important because not families are incredibly diverse, right? Every single parent has a completely different set of challenges from the next. So this ability of this community that we're building all across the United States, not only are we able to like get people who kind of live close to each other talking, um, but we can also connect people who are just sharing some of the same challenges and maybe just need someone to talk to about those special interest topics. Yeah, that's what I like about it because when I signed up, I'm in a very small town and it seemed like there was very little traffic going on. But once I found these Explore by Topics, I was like, okay, here are all the people that are thinking the same way as me. And even though they don't live like two miles from my house, they're out there. So I'd like to ask our last question and we'll move into some genius and fail moments. But for both of you, what have been your favorite part of being a parent and a founder? This is Sarah. I love just building a product that is so valuable to me personally and can solve my problems as well. We try to to not just build for ourselves, of course, but I just moved recently and I had to get my daughter into a preschool way after the deadline for preschool applications had passed. And I was able to go on Winnie. And because we have great data for the San Francisco Bay Area, I could find the preschools that still had open spaces. And there was one uh, looking for a three-year-old girl uh, that had just one open space that I was able to snag that turned out to be a great preschool. My daughter loves it. And so like, just, it's so great for me. I'm not spending time with my family during the day, uh, but I get to work on something that is really important in the world for parents and for me personally. So it helps me feel okay about missing out a little bit with my kids. I guess my answer to the same question, which remind me, this is best thing about being a parent and running a startup. Yeah, I think it's awesome. So I have two boys, they're four and five, and my sons have basically always, as long as they can remember, they've always seen me doing Winnie, actually. And there was one day where I had just gotten home from work and we were hanging out as a family and a friend came over and my oldest son ran over to her and said, did you know that mommy is the boss of Winnie? Well, I'm technically not the boss of Winnie. My partner is the boss of Winnie. But I thought it was such an awesome moment that he kind of had a sense that I was running this company and that he was seeing me do it and that he was proud of me. That was the best moment I think I've had as a parent or as a founder. And then when I asked him more recently what he wanted to be when he grew up, he said he wanted to work for Winnie. I'm hopeful Winnie will still be around and be family business. Having the kids exposed to not, not only career stuff, but tech stuff and like social interpersonal stuff and all of that. It's one of the best things that we can do as highly skilled professionals is making sure that we can expose them to that sort of thing early on. And yeah, that, that, that's fantastic. A great answer. My daughter likes to tell her friends that mommy's famous on the internet. <laughs> See, that's funny because it's true. <laughs> yeah. The, the related challenge is that they have no idea what you do. Exactly. Like, <laughs> he sees me on my computer and he's like, screen time is a job. She, she opens her laptop and types and that's work. I was like, I think a lot. I don't know. We try to like talk about what we did every day at the dinner table. And I'm like, I sat at a computer and I looked at words and then I wrote words down. <laughs> that's what I did. <laughs> we have a happy picture of our daughter as a toddler who was playing mommy. And she had a phone on her shoulder and a mouse in her hand on the keyboard at the laptop. And she's like, I'm mom. That's what I think mom is. <laughs> 
All right, so we are going to move into Genius and Fails. So this is the part of the show where we think about the last week or a couple of weeks and share a moment where we were geniuses, where something just went right or we did something right as parents, or a fail where something just did not go so well. So yeah, I think, Mandy, you're going to kick us off. Sure. So we're recording this the day after midterms, and I'm not going to get political at all here except for the fact that my daughter is nine, so we were watching some of the results come in, and I was kind of explaining to her about presidents and the last presidential election, so she knows who Donald Trump is, and then all of a sudden she started talking about Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn's that character from the Suicide Squad and how does she even know who that is? And I was getting so frustrated. Finally, I said, Maisie, who is Harley Quinn? She's the one who ran against Donald Trump. So all this time she thought Hillary Clinton (laughs) was Harley Quinn. I busted out laughing and she's like, I'm sorry. I was like, no, it's, it's funny. It's funny. It's okay. First of all, I don't even know if she knows who Harley Quinn is because I don't think she's ever seen that movie. But to me, it was just ridiculously funny. So I'm going to call that a fail. But a funny fail. A funny fail. (laughs) (laughs) So I was trying to explain voting to my son, who's three. And you go and you try to pick your friend who wants what you want. (laughs) And of course, I don't know why I was using like chocolate cake and ice cream. Like you could pick, you know, your friend Declan who likes chocolate cake or your friend Clarissa who likes ice cream and get them to get whatever it is you want for you. I'm not sure if he got it, but I'm going to go with genius. (laughs) I have a non-political genius. So like I said, I have a a three and a half year old and an eight month old. My three and a half year old is obsessed with is Devin and our younger one is Layla. Devin is obsessed with Layla. So this weekend I was upstairs and everyone else is downstairs. And all of a sudden I hear the baby crying and my husband say something in a serious tone. And then I hear my son coming up the stairs and he gets upstairs and he's really sad. And I asked him what happened. And he said that he wanted to show Layla his super strength. And so he squeezed her hand really hard to show her his super strength. But he was really upset about it because he knew that he hurt her. And so we talked about that. And he, he said that he wouldn't do it again. And he was sorry that he did it. And so I asked him if it would be helpful while he's doing these things, if we told him to stop and think for a minute. And if he felt like if he took a couple of seconds to think about what he was about to do, if he felt like it would help him decide if it was a good decision or a bad decision. And he said that he thought that it would. And so I was like, okay, I said, let's try that for today. You know, whenever you're going to go near Layla, I'll say, stop, think, and it'll give you a momentary pause to think about what you're about to do. And if you think it's a good idea or a bad idea, if it's helpful to Layla or if it might hurt her. So while it was sort of annoying to say stop thing a lot of times during the day, it actually really helped. He would be really close to her and I would say stop think and he would stop. And sometimes he would verbalize it. Sometimes he would go, I would like to give Layla a hug. If I give her a hug, would it make her feel better or would she maybe be upset about it? And then he would decide if what he thought the right move would be. 
he didn't always make the best decision. Sometimes he was like, yeah, I thought about it. And I decided that I wanted to do this anyway. But he said it was a really helpful tool for him. So we're sort of continuing to do it until he feels like he can sort of stop and think on his own before smothering our younger child. (laughs) So that I think with a three-year-old is super genius. I'm shocked that it worked for more than like an hour. And I am very excited about it. So this is Sarah. I feel like I heard that stop thing from an episode of Daniel Tiger, which my older, my three and a half year old watches way too much of. So I had a parenting fail recently where I have a baby as well. And the baby's name is Aubrey. And my three and a half year old is also obsessed with the baby. And she's constantly playing with Aubrey and talking about Aubrey. But the other day I caught her referring to Aubrey as Margaret. And after a couple times of this, I was like, you know, your sister's name is Aubrey. It's not Margaret. Do you have a friend named Margaret? Why do you keep calling her Margaret? And then Bryn, my older daughter, revealed that that's the sister in Daniel Tiger. And she got confused. She thought her sister was Daniel Tiger's sister. So I realized (laughs) I have been letting her watch way too much Daniel Tiger. So we we may have to relax a bit on the Daniel Tiger, even though it's great. It has some great lessons. (laughs) Incredible. Oh, my God. Yeah, that is awesome. I guess mine would be also elections related. So we were we were talking about voting with the kids yesterday and we took them to the polls with us as we always do. And actually, I don't know if most people know this. We tried to spread the word on Winnie every year when there's an election, but you in all 50 states are allowed to bring your children into the voting booth with you. And some states there are restrictions as to how many children. I assume so that it doesn't get crazy, but you are allowed to bring them into the voting booth with you and they can put the ballot in the box for you. So really they can participate. And if you want to bring them along and show them how the process works, you totally can do that. So we were at the polls and I had been talking it up all week and saying like, it's voting day, it's voting day, and we're going to go vote. And my four-year-old was getting really, really excited about it. And I was like, yes, I'm raising this great little citizen. And then on the morning of the day, I was getting them out of bed. And I'm like, we're going to get dressed and leave early for school so we can go and vote. And my four-year-old stopped. And then I could see the little face start to crack. And he was, what do you mean vote? And I was like, well, like I've been talking about, it's voting day, we're going to go vote. And then he started to cry because he thought I was talking about boating day and he thought we were going to go on a boat. And so the whole morning, my four-year-old was crying because he wasn't going to get to see dolphins, which was apparently what he thought we were going to be spending the morning doing. (laughs) Oh, my. Oh, no. So it was funny, but also very sad. (laughs) And that was definitely like... Felt like a parenting fail because my poor little baby just wanted to see dolphins. That's all he wanted to do in the world. And instead, we had to go to the polls and cast our boring ballot. Thanks so much for listening to Parent Driven Development. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a question that you'd like us to chat about on the air, please email us at panel at parentdriventdevelopment.com or find us on Twitter at parentdrivendevelopment. If you like what you hear, please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash parentdrivendev, or rate us on iTunes. And Sarah Ann, do you want to talk about where they can find more information about um, both of you or about Winnie? Winnie Winnie.com. It's easy to find us or just search Winnie in either of the app stores and we will be on top. 
All right. Thanks so much.